We are one divine human incorporation in the triune God. Surely, our oneness is not just a getting together or kind of a joining something. It is the oneness of the triune God. Welcome to Life Study, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Life Study is a study of the Bible emphasizing life. Jesus said in John 6, 63, The words I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. Life Study is the fruit of over 70 years of ministry by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Watchman Nee began this ministry in China in the 1920s and continued it until his imprisonment and eventual martyrdom. Witness Lee brought this ministry to the United States in 1962. Before we join Witness Lee with today's Life Study of the Gospel of John, we would like to give you our toll-free number through which you may obtain a free copy of today's message. That toll-free number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. Again, that's 1-888-543-3788. With us on the program again today is Francis Ball. Francis has been associated with Living Stream Ministry for over 30 years. Francis, we continue today in John 17 and the Lord's Prayer concerning the oneness of the believers and the four factors of our oneness. Before we get to the main point of today's message, let's listen to a brief overview of the first two factors by Witness Lee. Now, in chapter 17, you have at least four verses mentioning something of the oneness. Verse 11 says the oneness is in the name of the Father. The reality of the Father's name is the Father's divine life. So the first factor of the genuine oneness is the name of the Father with the Father's divine life. Then verse 21, this is a deep verse, so profound, that they all may be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. The point here is this, the oneness is in the triune God. When we all are in the triune God, then in the triune God we have the oneness. But here we have to pay our attention to this fact. How could we be in the triune God? Through his death and resurrection. This is why in chapter 14 he said he had to go through death and he had to come in resurrection. It was through death and resurrection that his disciples all were brought into the triune God. In the triune God is the real genuine oneness. Here, for this point, you need verse 17 and 18, the sanctifying word. 
in the train guard, yes, we may slip out of the train guard into the world. So we need the sanctifying word to sanctify us from the world back to the triune God. So the second factor of the genuine oneness is in the triune God through sanctification by the Holy Word. Let's pause here, Francis. In this short section, Witness Lee pointed out that our oneness is really the oneness of the triune God. What does he mean by that? Well, to get the realization of what is meant by saying that our oneness is the oneness of the triune God, uh, we really need to look back at chapter 14 again in this book. In that chapter, you may remember, it quotes the Lord Jesus as saying, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter, that he may be with you forever, even the spirit of reality, whom the world cannot receive because it does not behold him or know him. Now listen to the next word of Jesus. But you know him, speaking to his disciples, he said, you know him because he abides with you and shall be in you. Now who was the one abiding with them? Of course it was Jesus, the Son. And who is it that will be in them? It's the spirit of reality. So Jesus with them was the first comforter before his death on the cross. And in his resurrection, he is another comforter as the Spirit to be in them. You know, 1 Corinthians 15.45 says, The last Adam, that's Jesus in the flesh, became, that is, through his resurrection, the life-giving Spirit. Then Jesus said further in the Gospel of John in that chapter 14, he said, I will not leave you orphans. That meant he's going away from them, but he will not leave them orphans. He said, I am coming to you. An orphan is one who does not have a father. So we see, if you compare these verses, that the triune God, the Father, Son, and Spirit are truly one. The Lord Jesus in his resurrection became the life-giving Spirit, and by promising that he would not leave them orphans, it shows that he is also the Father. So uh, you have verses in the Old Testament as well as in the New to show us the triune God is really one. We use the term triune because tri means three and un means one. He is the three-one God. You may say the triune God is uh, an incorporation or an entity. He's three, yet he's one. This goes beyond our understanding but it is the true word of God, that he is three and yet he's one. Now, to say that we are brought into this oneness, that is, the oneness that we are brought into is the oneness of the triune God, is very clear when you read uh, verse 20 in chapter 14. There he says, in that day, that's the day of his resurrection, he said, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me, and I in you. So Christ the Son is in the Father, and he is in us, and we are in him. Uh, this is a marvelous complication, but this shows that when we really are one with God and one with one another, we are one in the divine trinity, which includes humanity as well as divinity.
because Jesus Christ was a God-man, and as the Spirit now, He is in us. We are one divine human incorporation in the triune God. Surely, our oneness is not just a getting together or kind of a joining something. It is the oneness of the triune God. Now let's go back to Witness Lee. Now we go on to verse 22. And the glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. So the third factor of the genuine oneness is the glory. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one. That they may be one. So this oneness surely is the genuine oneness in the divine glory. And we have defined what is the glory. The glory is composed of these four things. The sonship, number one. The Father's life, number two. The Father's divine nature, number three. And the expression with all the Father's fullness. You see, four things composed together equal glory. Then, verse 23, I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected into one. You see, the perfection of the oneness is still something in the Father and in the Son. I in them and you in me that they may be perfected into one. Now, if you take care of these verses, then you can see the real oneness. And then, verse 24, Father, I desire that those whom you have given me may also be with me where I am. This where is the divine glory. I am in the divine glory. Now I pray, Father, that all those whom you have given me may also be in the glory, that they may behold my glory. Listen. You have to pay attention to the tense of the verb. Here it doesn't say that they shall behold my glory. You see? And even it doesn't say where I shall be. Present. Why I say this? In our the natural concept, the glory is something in the future, in the good by and by. When the good by and by comes, the glory will shine, we all will get into the shining, then we will be in the glory. That is in the future. But here, have you noticed? Father, I desire that those whom you have given me may also be, not shall also be, with me where I shall be, that they shall behold my glory which you have given me. No, not in the future tense, but all in the 
present tense. It is not a matter in the good bond by. It is a matter right now today. Amen. Right now today. Amen. Father, you have given me your glory, the sonship with your divine life, divine nature, to express you in fullness. This is the glory that you have given me, and I am now in this glory. But those whom you have given me have not been, right, in this glory yet. So I pray that all of them may also be in this glory. And when this prayer was answered, Firstly, on the day of resurrection. Secondly, on the day the church was restored. All the disciples were brought into the same glory. That means into the sonship with the divine life and with the divine nature to express God the Father in the Son in all his fullness. You see, by that day, hallelujah, we all are in the glory where the sun is. The sun is in the glory, and now we are also in the same glory. He had the sonship with the divine life, the divine nature to express the Father. We have also the same sonship with the same divine life, the same divine nature, to express the same Father in all the same fullness. So we are now where He is. He is in the glory, and now we are also in the glory. Let's pause here at this point, Francis. Witness Lee has pointed out that the oneness of the believers is based upon the glory which the Father has given us. The glory here doesn't bear much resemblance to the old concept that Glory is something reserved for the sweet by-and-by, does it? Surely you're right. The glory spoken of here is not something just for the future, not the sweet by-and-by, as you said. First of all, the Lord prayed, Holy Father, keep them. That means us, me too, and you too, all of his believers. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. This term is quite significant because, as Witness Lee brought out, uh, that they may be one. He said, pay particular attention to this tense. This is something that we are, even as we are. That is, the triune God is one. So the first factor of genuine oneness is in the Father's name, uh, with the Father's divine life. This is the same life as is mentioned in verse 2 of this chapter, where it says, you, the Lord Jesus is praying, he says, you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. Then that covers the matter of the oneness in the divine life and relates to the Father. Then the second aspect of oneness is in the sanctifying word of God. The word taken into us in our daily experience becomes a sanctifying factor that separates us from the world and sanctifies us. So this, this brings us into a oneness according to the Word and by the instrumentality of the Word of God. This Word of God taken into us as the Spirit 
becomes a separating factor, a sanctifying factor, which separates us from all the worldly things. It makes us no longer common in the world. Believers in Christ, by the Word of God, become sanctified through this sanctifying Word. Even the Lord Jesus said in this same prayer, Sanctify them through your truth. Your Word is truth. So as we take the Word into us, even by praying it, by reading it prayerfully, by dwelling upon it, this Word does a work in us that sanctifies us and makes us holy. Now that's the second aspect of the oneness that uh, he speaks of here. However, it's only in the third stage of oneness that the Lord's Prayer will be fully fulfilled. It's only in this stage that we shall glorify the Lord and manifest the Lord in oneness. And that stage is the oneness in the glory. He said, The glory which you have given me, Father, I have given them. He wants us to be in this oneness to the fullest extent. The Lord's way is to saturate us completely with His holy nature and to give us the glory. Eventually, the glory that He gives us is the new Jerusalem. This means that we all have the life of God, the nature of God, and we even have God Himself for the purpose of becoming the very manifestation and expression of God, not only in the future, but even right now. Let's return to today's sharing from the Gospel of John. The real oneness is a building. Some may think we just cannot find a word that tells us in the Bible that oneness is the building. Don't see this. Let me show you. The oneness is the building. In John 14, the mutual abode was typified, was pictured, was portrayed by the tabernacle. If you are not so clear about the mutual abode in John 14, you have to go back to Exodus chapter 26 to see the composition of the building up of the tabernacles. Every careful Bible reader knows the tabernacle was not only God's dwelling place, but also God's priests. All those who serve God lived in the tabernacle. And you know, even the Psalms, many, many times, the Psalmist prayed that they would abide in the temple, in the house of God. Day by day, behold the beauty of the Lord in his temple. So you see, the temple is not only God's dwelling, but also the dwelling of those who love God. Amen. The temple or the tabernacle typifies a mutual abode. Okay. How the tabernacle was composed? It was composed with 48 boards. It's quite meaningful. 48 boards, 48 pieces. This is a type. 
a picture. These 48 pieces signifies the humanity in resurrection. Not the natural humanity, but the resurrected humanity. All these boards are overlaid with what? With gold. And gold means what? Divinity, right? Gold means divinity. And divinity here includes the divine nature and the divine glory. Okay, all the 48 pieces are overlaid with gold. And upon the overlaying gold, there are the golden rings. And within the gold rings, you have the golden uniting bars. That what? That unites all the 48 boards together into what? Here you have the oneness. And the oneness is a building. The building is the oneness. The oneness in the Bible is not just to put things together. No. Here's one. Another one. Another one. Another one. Another one. All the things run. This is the oneness. No, this is not the oneness. This is the padding up. This is not the oneness. And what is the oneness? The oneness is the building together. Many pieces not only put together, but fit in one with another, framed together one by one to form a unit, like the table. The table is the oneness. Like this house is the oneness. And this oneness is the building. Now you can see at the tabernacle all the 48 pieces <laughs> become one, one building. But listen, look at the picture. This oneness, this building, is all together a matter in the gold. If you take off all the gold from the 48 pieces right away, the oneness would be gone and the 48 pieces would fall apart. By the wooden boards themselves, there was no factor, no element that unites. The uniting factor, the uniting element is the gold. It is in the divine life and the divine nature and the divine glory, all the boards are one. Amen. Not just the togetherness. Right. Just the togetherness is not adequate to be the real genuine oneness. It got to be the building. Amen. Isn't this picture so clear to us? Amen. We all have to see this. This was a very good conclusion. Once again, the real oneness is related to the mutual abode of chapter 14 of John, and the picture of the tabernacle was presented. Probably a lot of our listeners are not that familiar with the type of the tabernacle. Francis, could you give a little more background on this? 
Uh, the main point in this portion of Witness Lee's message is that the true oneness is also the building. Now, that may be kind of a new a way of saying it to many of the Christians, but this is illustrated or typified by the tabernacle in the Old Testament. Back in Exodus chapter 29, we're given a marvelous picture of what this oneness is. The tabernacle, I would think most people are acquainted with the tabernacle, but maybe not in detail that shows how the building of the tabernacle is really a picture of the oneness of the believers in this age. Everything in the Old Testament is like a picture book, and the New Testament gives you the like the caption under the picture. So if you look at the picture of the tabernacle in the Old Testament, you can see that this building up of this tabernacle in detail is a type of the building up of the oneness of the body of Christ, which is the genuine and real oneness. This oneness is not just the oneness that each believer has with the Lord Jesus personally. Of course, that oneness is certainly necessary and genuine. But the oneness typified by the tabernacle is the oneness of the believers. Witness Lee mentioned the 48 boards built up together, covered over with gold. All this shows us that the oneness we experience in the church life is in the divine nature. That gold overlaying the board, the board there represents humanity, but the gold represents divinity. Every board, as they're made up this way, they're overlaid with gold before they're even put up. So every board is attached to the next board by the gold. That means that you and I are really one by the divine life. In ourselves, we are not one. Every one of us uh, has our own way, our own individuality, our own individualism. But when we're built up in the divine life, we are really one. So I think if we get into this picture in detail with all the elements that are involved in the tabernacle, we will see that the oneness in the New Testament is really the building. When we are one, we are built. So I think the important thing about the tabernacle is that it is the dwelling place of God and God's people. So there's a mutual dwelling typified in the tabernacle so that you realize that this dwelling place of God today is in all the believers. The Lord Jesus said, If you love me, my Father will love you, and we will come to you and make our abode make our abiding place with you. All of us are brought into this glorious oneness. And the more we abide in this oneness that's prayed for by the Lord Jesus in John chapter 17, that we are one even as the triune God is one, we are built up. The building up is really the oneness. The oneness is the building. Thank you, Francis. We appreciate the fellowship. If you would like a free copy of today's Life Study message, call toll-free at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Or write us at Living Stream Ministry, P.O. Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. 
or visit us at our website at www.lsm.org. Our number again is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. Thank you for listening.